Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We can build a building with sheer manpower and finance. Anybody, anyone can do that. Time, talent, dollars, and we can build a building. But we're not just, our ultimate goal is not to just build another building, but our ultimate goal is to build the church. And so you can build a building with manpower and finance, but you will build the church, and that will take prayer. That will take dedication. That will take, that will take what Brother Chris Osborne was alluding to a moment ago, and that is that God is requiring more of us, more of us. I know for those that have been connected in this sanctuary since 10 o'clock, we've covered a lot of ground already, but would you stay with me a few more minutes? Amen. I'm going to do my best not to preach past the moment, and I don't have preacher's itch, but I do have a burden on my heart that is not yet discharged, and so if you'll just pray with me now, we're going to just pick right up where we were a little bit ago, and we're going to ask God to touch us now. In Jesus' name, touch us. that the power of your word that was sufficient enough to speak this world into existence let the power of that same word today God challenge the hearts of every man, woman, boy and girl that's in this building and anyone who may ever hear this message I pray God that your anointing will be upon it now in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus Amen. You may be seated. We're talking about prayer. I talked Wednesday night about prayer, our source of power. Today, I want to talk to you about prayer, our source of relationship. Because you can't be in relationship, not real relationship, with somebody that you're not in communication with. And uh, I know I've referred to this through the years, certainly back several years ago. Brother Tony Fredericks is a great friend of mine and we have been friends for a long, long time. And for many years, for, for many reasons, they passed her about seven or 800 miles from here and our paths kind of ran in two different directions. And so we went for a period of time, I think if I'm right, about 15 or 16 years that we never even saw one another. We were never in the same building, never in the same room but we talk multiple times a week. And uh, so my point is this, is that you can be in relationship with someone that you never even see as long as you're talking with them. But you can't be in relationship with someone that you're not talking to if you see them every day. And so we need to understand that when we are, our prayer is not just a source of strength, that certainly is that, but prayer is also a source of relationship 
And relationship is so vitally important. In Matthew 6, 5 through 8, Jesus condemned the Pharisees and their current, at that time, practice of prayer in two specific areas. One of those was he condemned them for praying self-centered prayers, and then he condemned them for having spent time in prayers that had no meaning. Self-centered prayer is something that we all fight against because at the root of that is the spirit of pride. And the Lord dealt with those who prayed uh, to just exhibit their supposed spirituality before men. And so Matthew 6 and 5, and follow me here on the screen if you will, and when, they, when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. And so if our goal is to be seen and heard of men, once men see and hear you, you've been paid. Amen. <laughs> you've been paid. Whatever, whatever feeling or emotion went through them, when they said, wow, what a man of prayer, that was your reward. Amen. On the surface, Jesus condemned them because their prayers seemed unwarranted. Certainly there's nothing wrong with standing and praying. By all means, there was nothing wrong with praying in the synagogue. Standing, certainly in New Testament times, was the most common position of prayer, literally. Certainly the synagogues were the most logical place of prayer. And so Jesus was not assaulting the most logical place, nor was he assaulting the most logical position of prayer. But the real evil of these hypocritical worshipers were, was not the location of their prayers, was not the posture of their prayer, but it was, it was the condition of their spirit and their attitude. I wanna, I wanna seem like I am a spiritual person, but I'm gonna tell you when, when the rubber hits the road, if that's all right. When the rubber hits the road, you don't want someone that just seems spiritual. You don't want somebody that appears to have a relationship with God. You better find somebody that knows God and that God knows them. You can rent all kind of outfits and so I'm assuming that you could rent surgical garb and so you don't wanna just find somebody that has a surgeon's clothes. You better find a surgeon. You, you, you need to find somebody that can just dress up like a judge. If you need a judge, you better find somebody that really knows the law of the land. And so we need to be very, very careful that what we're doing is not just a betrayal of men or just to be seen of men. In their desire to exalt themselves before their fellow Jews, the scribes and the Pharisees were guilty of, of something called pride. And as a result, the Bible says they have their reward or they have it in full, in other words. Since they were only concerned about what men could give them, that, that's all they really received. And so I would ask us today to take heed and take note of that. Now, obviously, and I'm gonna try to cover as much of this as I possibly can, and uh, I, I trust that the spirit of what I'm saying will be the larger uh, thing that we grasp here today. I, I, I know that we can't help but to pray in, in uh, public at times, and certainly from my position on the platform, I love to worship the Lord. And, and uh, I, I have to forget about what some people may think, what some people may say, and I just kind of close my eyes and get lost, and if you want to worship, you help yourself. If you want to sit on and suck your thumb, you just help yourself to that, but I didn't come here for that. I came to worship God. I may not have ever another chance to do this 
And so I'm gonna give God everything that I have. I'm not doing it to be seen and heard of men, although men are seeing and hearing it. It has to be our spirit. God knows the intent of our heart. Amen, and so that's what we have to be very, very cognizant of. And it's imperative that we take to heart the warning of Matthew 6 and 5. I think that if we are gonna have deep intimacy with someone, that takes openness, and it certainly takes honesty. It takes sincerity, and uh, that, that applies to our relationship, period, but it certainly applies to our relationship with God. And so if you ever want to experience the power and the passion of communication with the Lord, then we have to make sure that our motives are pure. Because people that really know us know if we're up to something. Sometimes I say to my wife, I love you. She said, I love you back. Sometimes I say, I love you. And she said, what do you want? What are you up to? Right? Because people that know us sense our motives. <laughs> I felt a lot of guilt in this house right there. Enough guilt for an altar call, but we'll keep moving. But So we gotta make sure that our motives are pure. I mentioned this Wednesday night, but Luke 18 and 13, uh, let's read that. Luke 18 and 13 and 14, the Bible says, and the publican standing far off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but he smote his breath upon his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, he said, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humble himself shall be exalted. And so the men that were on the street corner, the men that were in the synagogue, those that were trying to garner the attention of God were ignored by God, and here was a man that didn't even have enough courage to lift his eyes up to heaven, but God saw the thought and the intent of his heart and he said, this man, this man is the man that really got a hold of me. In contrast to the hypocritical practice of the day, Matthew records something that Jesus said, and I wanna just, uh, as a footnote, say that this is often taken out of context, and I hope that I can cover it adequately. But the sixth, sixth verse, Matthew 6 and 6, the Bible says, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, Pray to thy father which is in secret and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. And I think there's a few things that we ought to take notice of about this passage. The Lord gives no prescribed time nor does he give a prescribed occasion to prayer. He just says when you pray, when you pray, enter into thy closet, when you shut the door, pray, etc. And so there's not a specific time necessarily, nor was there a specific cause or reason, something that served as a catalyst for prayer. Jesus says then, when you pray, go into the inner room or thy closet, as the scripture says. Could refer to a small room or a chamber. I know some people like to have specific places of prayer. I know some people that have prayer rooms, and I'm not saying that's what you need to do, but I understand that. What they truly must understand or we must understand here is that the location for prayer was not the point. That was not what the Lord was trying to say. He wasn't trying to say you need to add a room if you have one, don't take it away. But that was not what he was saying. You don't have to go build one, but it was your attitude about prayer that he was addressing. When you pray, enter into thy closet. When thou shut to the door, he said, then pray. It's necessary to find, I think, certainly at times, 
a, a, a place of solitude to pray, a secluded place to pray. And uh, when you do so, that, that of course gives no opportunity to show out. <laughs> so there's something about praying in the solid, solitary place and then the scripture even says shut to the door. In other words, close out the distractions. I was talking about the noise of our world. And so sometimes we've got to close off the door, whether that's literally or figuratively, we've got to close those things that distract us and concentrate on God. And I'm certainly not alluding to the fact, and this is what I'm going to try to address, that all prayer must be done privately. Amen. I'm not, I do will say that a lot of our prayer, if you think about it with me in context, a lot of our prayer is done in private. But I'm not saying that it should be, nor do I think Jesus was alluding to public prayer. But while we do spend more time praying privately than we do publicly, there's certainly nothing wrong with praying publicly. But when we're praying publicly, we need to remember this scripture and let that be the attitude of my heart. I'm praying I'm praying out loud. I may be praying publicly. I may be even praying where you're able to hear me pray, but I need to make sure that in my heart, I'm entering into my closet. And entering my heart, I'm closing the door. Does that make sense? Amen. Jesus uh, himself regularly left the disciples so he could find a place to pray. Oftentimes, he prayed alone. And there are times, obviously, you know this, that I pray publicly. I'm called on to pray publicly. And, uh, but there are other times that I must pray alone. I must pray in private. I need perhaps to pray about specific things in my life. And so I wanna find a solitary place to pray about things in my life. I also may need to find a private place to pray because I might need to pray about things in your life. And it's at that very moment that I don't want to be in the company of those that are all of a sudden trying to be strictly obedient to Matthew 26, 41. Matthew 26, 41 says, watch and pray. And when I'm praying about private things in my life or I'm praying about private things in your life, I don't want to say, oh God, forgive me of my sins. And then all of a sudden, the Matthew 26 crowd goes, <laughs> right? Amen. <laughs> Not that that would ever happen. And so we had to pray with the right attitude. And there are certain things that I'm just going to pray about privately, certain things you're going to pray about privately. And, and, uh, and so the Lord sees in secret, then he says that he will openly reward that. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. The most important secret that the Lord sees is not the words that we say in the privacy of our room, but the thoughts that we have in the privacy of our heart. Sister Donna Harden used to sing a song years ago, or it's been a long time since I heard it anyway, that there's a place in my heart where even I wouldn't go. And so when we're talking about what God sees, it's not just our words that we're saying, but God really knows what's in our heart. There's nothing hidden to him. And so we have to be very, very careful. And so. The, that, that's, who, that's who we really need to be concerned about. Not, not what others may hear, but what God may know. Not what others may find out or overhear, but what God already sees and he knows. And so, so that is very, very important that we um, make sure that our prayers are prayed in the right attitude because why? I, this is a relationship thing. This is a relationship thing. I, I had no idea that uh, Brother Daryl Townsend was gonna mention 
the Bible quizzing in his presentation today, but the word of God, that word of God that we hide in our heart, that we pull into the fabric of our spirit. It's garnered many ways, not just through Bible quizzing, but, uh, but many ways, Sunday school ministry and children's ministry and what you are doing at home uh, helps to instill that word of God. So memory verses, memory verses are not just something to dread and cram for on Saturday nights. <laughs> Early Sunday mornings, it's trying to get the word of God in their heart to condition them. That will keep them. That will keep them. Please remember that. The second thing that Jesus condemned the Pharisees about was prayers that had no meaning. They're just, just a bunch of gibberish. The prayers that the scribes and Pharisees, they didn't just offer things in the wrong spirit, but they, they just had prayers of meaningless words, no substance, no significant content to be acceptable to God. Prayers have got to be genuine and they've got to be heartfelt. Amen. You know, uh, I, I think I can say this safely here today, not just talking about prayer, but talking about preaching. I mean, we want preaching that has content. When I was young in the Lord, I was satisfied with spit and speed. Right? Amen. Man, we had church. What was said? I have no idea, but it was marvelous. We had a good time. But the older I get, not just physically, but the older I get in the Lord, I'm I'm interested in content. Say something. Speak, Lord, something into my spirit. Say something that I can get my hands on, that I can take home and write down and chew on this and let it soak into the fabric of my soul. And so in in order to be acceptable, acceptable to God, we need to pray prayers that are genuine and prayers that are heartfelt because that that practice and that that custom of just coming before the Lord with just meaningless repetition uh, that was common and that's why we have the warning in verse 7 in verse 7 he says but when ye pray use not vain repetitions as the heathen do amen for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking if we just say it enough the phrase vain uh, the, the the phrase that's used here vain means meaningless vain repetition or meaningless repetition and that refers to idle or just thoughtless chatter just talking 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 it has no meaning it has no meaning whatsoever and so apparently according to one writer I was studying behind they the Jews had picked up this practice from the Gentiles and that prayer was simply just a matter of religious ceremony just going through if we can just if we can just take up 60 minutes. A lot of times we get caught up in, in times of prayer. Let me just pause here long enough to address this. But sometimes we get caught up in the times of prayer. Now, I, I don't think that prayer is altogether measured in time. However, let me, let me say this, that I think somebody that's mature in the Lord and we're having prayer time at church, you ought to be able to pray more than 10 minutes. You ought to be able to pray more than 15 minutes. You ought to be able to pray more than 30 minutes. I'll stop when you want me to. I mean, seriously. I mean, we ought to be able to pray more than just a few minutes and, and then all we come out of the gate strong, but then about 12 minutes into it, we've run out of things to say. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. If, I, if we run out of things to talk about to the Lord, I'm talking about being in a relationship. Prayer is our source of strength. It's, it's our source of hope. 
I know this is an age-old illustration and countless preachers of all shapes, sizes, and colors have used this illustration, but it is still the truth. When you are, when you are dating your significant other, you could talk on the phone or you could talk about, uh, whether on the phone or in person, you could talk about nothing, nothing for hours on end. And then one of the greatest breakdowns of marriages and, and relationships today is what? Communication. I mean, before we could talk about nothing for hours and now we can't talk about significant stuff for three minutes. And so there's something wrong. Who is interfering with that? Who is disturbing that? It's Satan. Hear me today. Who's interrupting our prayer? Who's interrupting our thought process? That's not coming from God. That's coming from the enemy that is working against us because prayer, our, our source of relationship, yes, it is our strength, but it brings us into relationship with God. And so we must have. And so we need to heed those words that we are in real communication with the Lord. We've all been guilty of repeating the same prayers meal after meal with no thought of, to God or really no thought about what we're saying. I hope this, I meant to ask you for permission about this this morning, but I didn't have time but you didn't ask me for permission about that other deal, so. <laughs> here, we, here we go. Didn't take long for that to come home. <clears throat> but uh, Justin prayed over the food. When he was growing up, prayed over the food. You've heard me tell this story, some of you, but pray over the food. God is good, God is great. Let us thank you for food in Jesus' name, amen. And so he kept, you know, that was nice. He kept, Justin, say the blessing, say the blessing. So, He'd say the blessing. Well, as he got a little bit older, I told him one day, I said, you know, Justin, you might want to consider, you know, you're a little bit old for that prayer. I mean, call me hard, but at 17, I thought we needed a change. <laughs> oh, don't ever mess with the guy that has the microphone last. Don't ever mess. <laughs> Amen. And so, no, he wasn't 17, but I, I did. And this was the literal illustration that I plucked this illustration, honest to goodness, out of the air the day we were talking about this. And I said, you know, what are you gonna do if one day we're with Brother and Sister Williams and Brother Williams asks you to say the blessing? You're gonna say God is good, God is great, let us thank you for our food. So you're gonna be embarrassed if that were to ever happen. And I was just trying to shake him up a little bit and get him to grow a little bit spiritually and think about that. And you know, he didn't heed my word. And would you know... <laughs> that we went out to eat with our district superintendent. We were all five sitting at the table and there we were and just as we got ready to eat, Brother Williams says, Justin, why don't you say the blessing? He looked at me. <laughs> it was not a setup, I did not. He looked at me in sheer terror and there were just a few seconds that just the world he wanted to swallow up and he bowed his head and he said, God is great, God is good, let us take this but hear me, that was the last day he ever prayed that prayer. Amen. And now at home, when I ask him to say the blessing, he's liable to say anything in any language. He just changes it all up because it was a lesson learned and I think you've paid now and then so we'll move right on. <clears throat> so we gotta just not repeat the same thing that over and over and over, prayer is that thoughtless and prayer that's thoughtless and prayer that's just detached from any rhyme or reason, that's offensive to God. Let's don't insult God's intelligence by just coming to a gibberish to the hymn, but let me pause here long enough to say this, that certainly the Lord is not forbidding repetition in prayer, 
but the spirit of repetition in prayer because there's some genuine request that we bring back to God again, again, again. So I'm not saying it's wrong to repeat, certainly not saying that, the honest, but honest repetition and honest praise and honest worship, that's certainly not wrong. Jesus was referring to that just indifferent recital of just spiritual sounding words. Amen. We've been around the block a few times. Most of you know what I'm talking about. In contrast to those who use meaningless repetition, Jesus says this in verse eight. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you need, have need of before you ask. He said, don't be like them. Don't just come up here with all this trying to just take up time and space. Don't just come up here just trying to fill up a little bit. He said, because I already know what you need. I just want you to be in relationship with me. I, I want you to talk to me about it. I want you to be honest with me. I want you to be transparent about this. Let's be real. Let's just be real and let the Spirit of God touch us in the sense that prayer is not a, not, not a duty not, or not just a duty. Not, it is a responsibility, but it's not just a responsibility. But we have got, uh, we've got to have something that, that springboards us into a relationship with God. There's something about, I'm telling you, there's something about prayer. There's something about people of prayer, men and women of prayer, amen, that, that we have confidence in because it brings something to their life. It brings something to our lives that you can get it no other way. There is no postgraduate course. There is no place that you'll ever reach in, in your walk with God. You say, well, I no longer have to pray now. I got all that taken care of. No, no, no. Pray all that you can. Pray all that you can. Why? Because it is our source of relationship. And so when I pray, I'm pulling God into the fabric of me, into the fabric fabric of, of me as a man into the, into the fabric of me as a husband, to me as a father, to me as a pastor, a leader. And so I say, oh God, I want to be in relationship with you because sometimes, and some of our elders know what I'm talking about. Amen. I, I want you to realize this, that, that you may feel, the enemy try to, may try to make you feel that, that you are used up and washed up and your time of significance and your time of meaning is all over, but hear me, in in every generation, in every generation, there have been the youth, and I'm not just talking about the literal youth, but the literal and the spiritual youth, and in every generation, there has been that middle block of saints of God that are gathered, have gathered their feet under them. Their minds are made up. They've got the hands of their families and they're marching toward the purpose and the goal. And in every generation, there have always been elders that we look to and that we lean on. Amen. Maybe they're not teaching a Sunday school class or leading a service or maybe, they, maybe they're not doing some of the things they've done in times past. But hear me today. I say this in Jesus' name. You, you sir, and you, ma'am, have not been demoted to some place platform of uselessness, but oh, no, no, no. You have been elevated. You have graduated. You have stepped up and not down because now, now, now you say, I don't know what I can do. I'm telling you what you can do. I'm telling you what every church needs, what every organization needs, what every body needs, and that is somebody that can get a hold of God and speak to the heavens. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Speak to the heavens. 
praise on behalf of a generation that are trying to raise their family in truth. Speak to the heavens on behalf of young people who are trying to make their way to God and find that path. Oh, 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 don't put your Bible on the shelf. Don't throw it all away. Don't pack it up and say it's all done and it's all over. But realize God has taken you to a place. God has taken you to a place because prayer is our source of relationship. It is our source of strength. It is our source of hope. Prayer, prayer, prayer. Prayer, prayer, prayer. Oh, my, 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 my. God's purpose in prayer is not for us to inform him of anything. It is not for us to persuade him into anything, to try to get him to respond to our needs. God's purpose in prayer is to keep a sincere line of communication open. As our musicians make their way back, I'm sorry. Amen, I should have just kept you here. But God's purpose in prayer is to keep an open line. Stay with me now. Don't let their moving around stir you because we're, we're just, we're not dismissing. I would submit to you today that God longs to hear from us. So now, here it is. How do we respond to these important instructions from the Lord? If you are to ever know the power and the passion, or power and passion, rather, in your prayer life, then we need to pray with a devout heart, with a pure motive, seeking only the glory of God. We need to pray with an humble heart, seeking only the attention of God and not the attention of man. And finally, when we pray, we need to pray with a confident heart, knowing full well that God already knows what I need. If I don't color in, if I somehow didn't dot the I just right or cross the T just right, he already knows. And sometimes we come to God and our hearts are so overwhelmed that our vocabulary just seems so horribly inadequate. And when I can't bracket my needs with words, I wanna know that I've got enough relationship that he understands. And so if we go to God on those terms, he will reward us in ways that we could never imagine. And you'll learn the value of being alone with God in prayer. Ultimately, prayer brings us into relationship and right relationship. Hear me now. Right relationship brings us, right relationship with God places something within us that neither time nor circumstance can steal. I wanna share something with you today that was shared with me a few days ago 
and it has so impacted my life. Brother Scott Graham is a friend to many people in this building today, now District Superintendent of Missouri, preaches a lot, has preached several meetings here in Florida. Brother Graham's wife's grandfather, long-time preacher of this gospel. Several years ago, Alzheimer's disease began to gnaw it away, gnaw it away. Placed in a home because time and disease robbed him of the ability to even know his family, his friends. But there was just something about relationship with God. A few days before he passed away, Sister Graham went to the nursing home to see him. She knew him even though he didn't know her. Call it whatever you want to call it. But she just felt impressed to start singing an old song. And somebody picked up a video and captured something. Song. Everybody ought to know. Everybody ought to know. Everybody ought to know. Who Jesus is. He's the lily of the valley. He's the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of ten thousand. Everybody ought to know. Everybody ought to know. Everybody ought to know. Everybody ought to know. Everybody ought to know who Jesus is. We know who Jesus is, yeah. don't we? Yes, sir. In Jesus dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead body, and we're complete in Him. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I could have prepared a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Amen. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous runneth into it and is saved.
Come on, church, stand, would you? Let's lift our hands and our, open our mouths. And let's let the spirit of the almighty God hear us today. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. We need you. We need you, God. We need you, God. We need you, God. We need you, God. We need you. Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.